0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Every Day Linux, Episode 207, Long Live the Web, recorded September 27th, 2015, and brought to you by Elements Opie Productions, ElementsOpie.com. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the Linux show that's not about Linux, but about life in the context of Linux. I am your host, Mark, the Sultan of the Soapbox Cockroach, and joining me this week, as always, are your two stalwart co-hosts, Chris, the Command Line Godfather, and Seth, the Gooey Kid Anderson. Hello, gentlemen.
1: Heyo, everybody. I hope you had a great week, because I know it's going to start over this
2: week. And welcome, everyone. We are so glad you could join us for this refreshing romp in whatever we're doing today. (laughs)
1: <laughs> the craziness that is our that is our show.
0: I'm coming off nine days of of vacation, staycation since we didn't go anywhere. So I'm I'm totally out of sync. My body biological clock is wrong. I've been going to bed late and getting up late, and and I haven't been to work and I haven't de- so. If I'm discombobulated, that's one of the reasons. Another reason is that I'm using entirely new hardware this week. Um, I'm trying to to step up my my game a little bit in the hardware department. Using your money, thank you for your Patreon uh, uh, donations uh, support. We don't call those donations. What are those? They're pledges. I've I've taken that go. money and I've bought a new uh, rig here. I've been complaining for you know ages about my uh, aging hardware here. And, uh you guys, you know, have, have really stepped up and I've been saving my pennies. And so I bought a new, uh, Intel Nook machine. Uh, that's just fun to say Nook next unit of computing. You know, what's special about it? It's small. That's really all there is to it. It's small and fanless, which is important in, uh, you know, as a recording environment, you want something to be, uh, quiet. So, uh, th- that's what I'm running things I have two, uh, monitors in front of me now instead of staring down at my laptop the whole show. Um, I have, uh, two 24 inch monitors, uh, uh, mounted on <laughs> a ghetto, uh, blocks of wood and rack of wire that I had laying around, but hey, it works. Um, and so uh, if uh, that's another reason that things are a bit off, I'm using equipment that I'm not, you know, fully, uh, comfortable with, but thank you for your support and for allowing me to not be fully comfortable with my equipment. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but you know, it's okay. Because that's yeah. more the 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 more ADL love yeah. for the show, right?
0: The the plan <laughs> is for this all to actually make things better. I, I'm not sure that we're at the better stage yet, uh, but uh it is, you know, it's getting there. Um I I'm looking more at you now and and less down. Uh I have due to to. to great fan cry out great a great disturbance of the force as if many voices cried out and then were suddenly silenced i have lowered my my wind guard so that you can see my face now see what you, you reap the whirlwind <laughs> this is what you ask for this is what you get uh but anyway uh more more about that as things develop uh but uh if you're if you're looking for an intel nook uh there are, you know it's so far my experience has been fairly um positive it's a it's an i3 processor, not super powerful, uh, but uh, a, a decent video. It's running dual HDMI two monitors at 1080p, um, and for that I put an SSD drive in it uh, and uh, eight gigs of RAM, and the whole thing cost about seven hundred dollars. So you know about the cost of a desktop PC, about the performance of a desktop PC, but it's a you know like a four inch by four inch by one inch package.
2: That's not bad. Yeah not too shabby
0: yeah i didn't it's i didn't save any money but for me really the the core thing was i didn't want a big power supply fan in the corner going for the whole show uh so that's the only reason i made this choice um but uh that you know it's it's a little uh it, it it only has a um uh Ethernet cable didn't have Wi Fi, so I had to it's it's dongled out. Uh it only has two USB ports and I filled those up really quickly, so I had to put two or two two in the back, three one in the front, so three total. And those are full, so then I went and had to buy a USB hub, which is now also full, and I'm probably gonna have to expand the size of my hub because by the time you start plugging in mics and cameras and all that, um uh, it uh it gets pretty pretty crazy. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that would be the understatement yeah. of the day, I think.
0: Uh, so Seth, you are, uh, splurging on your next movie experience.
2: Yes. I cannot believe I just spent over $17 to go watch one movie. Um, but I pre-bought my ticket for the Martian and I mean, I did it up big time, real 3d biggest screen they had there, everything that basically they charge extra for and I cursed them for, I went ahead and did because I've put a lot of hope into how awesome this movie's going to be.
1: Well, let's hope it's uh all for the best. Yeah. Oh, and if I didn't say I'm the title, really...
2: did I say it was the martian It, it yeah. is if okay so that once you yeah.
0: have built something up that much, you can only be disappointed. so yeah. you know, I'm looking forward to hearing your your tales of woe
2: yeah i mean you know Me i've read the book i've listened to the book now i'm going to watch the movie so um i'm just you know i just want to go see a movie that i enjoy and i think i will enjoy this one because i enjoyed the story
0: yeah if they're true to the story even a little bit you can't tell stories the same way in movies and television but if they're true to the story it should rock
1: it should yeah it should yeah.
0: I, on the other hand, took my children to see Hotel Transylvania 2 because one is not enough. Um, It's the the (laughs) sequel to the movie that you didn't know existed called Hotel Transylvania with um, uh, Billy Madison. What's his name?
2: Adam Sandler. Adam Sandler Sandler
0: playing a vampire. Uh, It's an animated film. But yeah, we we went to see that as part of our staycation. And I found this week um, that you can actually hemorrhage money uh, without leaving town. Uh, so it's all the benefits of being on vacation without any of the you know exotic places or fine cuisine. It's uh, it's amazing it's, it's how that works, isn't it? <laughs> um, so yeah, we we did uh, a, a different thing every day, uh, which unfortunately leads to my next thing that I'm going to talk about. I spent my Sunday afternoon looking for crutches for a seven year old because oh, no. the last day of our staycation resulted in a broken tibia. Yeah, uh, my my daughter whose birthday is on Wednesday will be turning seven on Wednesday. Uh, we'll be attending her birthday party on crutches. Uh, we we went to this local place called Sky Zone. It's one of those indoor trampoline places, and um, mm-hmm. uh, we bought an hour at something like seven thousand dollars an hour uh, per per person. Uh, so I bought three hours an hour for each of them. Ten minutes in, snap. Um, it's just, it's a hairline Ooh. fracture of the very top of the tibia under the knee. It's essentially a really bad sprained knee. Uh, but nevertheless, she's, she's got it in a, in a brace and, uh, on crutches and, um, she's very pitiful and she's, I, I may have mentioned it, uh, before, you know, she's the very stoic one of the family. She, uh, like she will say something like. My ear kind of hurts and we'll take her to the doctor. And he's like, This is the worst ear infection I've ever seen. Uh, she just, she just doesn't respond to pain at all. Uh, except when she, as soon as she came up from this, when she was bawling and just hysterical. And if you touched it, she cried. It's like, okay. This is serious. Um uh, not serious enough that we left. I made her sit in the chair with ice on her thing while the other two finished their hour because dang it, we paid for that.
2: <laughs> it's being a good parent right there, Mark.
0: Yes,
1: oh, no I could imagine. That. I, my, I would i would be doing the same
0: yeah so um <laughs> it was it was the you know it's it's a rite of passage right nobody gets out of of being a kid without breaking something
1: so, well, so at beautiful. least once or twice
0: I, I actually uh the only thing i ever broke was a toe and those don't count right uh those are designed to be the, the pinky toe those things are designed to be broken.
1: yep yeah because you got so many um, of yeah, them yeah i, I so, lost count how many times i've snapped uh, my pinky toes
0: so that that was the the excitement of of my week was the uh, it's amazingly difficult to find uh crutches for somebody you know four four and a half feet tall It's in exponentially harder to find crutches for somebody four and a half feet tall on a Sunday afternoon um so if oh, you yeah, ever rough. If you've ever thought to yourself, you know I wonder if I could find crutches for a kid on Sunday no, you can't. Um I called I got a, a two dozen literally at least 20 different pharmacies and medical supply houses uh to find one that was an hour away. Um but you know you got to do it. You got to make the drive. So I spent $40 in gas to do, to buy $30 worth of of crutches.
2: Wow. Right.
0: Anyway. Um so enough about that uh, you still chris you still don't have any video what's the issue with that
1: well it, you know the whole idea of a moving 10 years worth of gear you know because i lived in that last place for 10 years so 10 years of stuff being moved and things just don't get put in the same places that you think they're going to be so i still have not been able to find all of my gear uh, luckily enough, I found at least a microphone in my test laptop that I've been doing the last sh- the last couple of shows on. Um, but the other problem I keep running into is I am not a plumber, but I play one now as a homeowner. Um, we've had, but you know, the, the pr- other problem with that goes is because I'm not a plumber, I don't know what to do when a problem happens. So we've actually had to call the professional plumbers in a couple of times, which then saps my time from being able to do anything else yay (laughs) but uh yeah it's been uh it's been a long tedious couple of weeks and i'm tired of being a plumber
0: i when when i bought my house the second day i mean we we moved in like on a saturday sunday plumbing problems it just it's just a given i think Alright, after uh, an attack of technology, I think we're back. I'm not even going to pretend that I can edit that out. I'm going to try to do a voicemail, but the way things are working, I can't guarantee that's going to work. It's either going to work or it's not. I promise. (laughs) All right. here we go. So, listener feedback from Aaron.
2: Hey, Mark, Seth, and Chris. Uh, I was playing with the idea of Pretending to be Nigel Tuffles
0: calling from, from England or Great Britain and being confused about which and then deciding that I was actually calling from Lesser Britain. But, I uh, just couldn't, couldn't muster up the English accent. I did have a question. What makes an Android, uh,
2: what makes an OS a new OS as opposed to just a mod or a derivative? We're talking, you're on the, the podcast I'm listening to talking about the Oxygen OS cyan, cyanogen going from being a mod to an OS. What's really the difference between an Android with a mod and a truly new OS, even if it's based on an OS? That's my question. Hope you find it interesting enough to discuss it. See you guys.
0: And that, uh, if you didn't recognize the voice, is the former host of this show, uh, Aaron Butler, and uh, he asks uh, an interesting question. And I, I'm, I'm before I say anything... Chris, what do you think is the answer to that question?
1: Well, that's a good one. Um, I would have to go on the idea that once they s- have broken away from the core of of an, the OS enough that it is now, you know, I would say f- more than 50% custom code, I would say then it's a new, a new OS. Um, but, I mean, that's just how I kind of look at it. Um, the original Cyanogen was just kind of... A hack job over top of the Android, so this is more custom code than than original Android.
0: So you you said fifty percent is your magic number? Yeah, I was gonna say around right around fifty. Chris Seth, Chris said fifty percent is his magic number. Once you once you're contributing at least as much of your own code as Google, you can call yourself an OS. What what do you think? What's your uh, definition of when something becomes its own OS?
2: When it comes shipped on the model, and you don't have to mod it to load your OS, that was the definition I used whenever we were the article. It went from being a mod that you did to an existing phone to it came pre-installed. So, I mean, because if you go the interesting, yeah, if you go the fifty percent route, then you know there there's there's ubuntu and ubuntu variants called you know everything below them and uh so 50 percent is an awful high number to be i mean let what is it three or four percent of uh dna separates us from chimps so and we're a different species so <laughs> i don't know that i mean 50 is an awful high bar all
0: right so that's i wanted to to talk about that so ubuntu um so we talk of uh, there's there are there are OSs and there's distributions. Right? So Mint is a distribution of Linux. It's not its own OS, right? It's it's Linux. Um yep. GNU slash Linux. Um yeah, uh, its parentage is Ubuntu. Um, so we call it an Ubuntu derivative. I, I think it's interesting that that we now say Cyanogen is its own OS when it's a and it's a an Android derivative. Maybe that's not fair. I mean, if, if we have to call, if we're going to call Cyanogen an OS or Oxygen OS an OS, don't we also have to call Mint and Fedora uh, and, um, you know, everything else its own OS? Well, I mean, some of them do, right? Solus OS calls itself an OS. It's it's kind of a murky ground there between the difference between a derivative and a full-on OS. The way I see it, there's they're really... You know, there's Windows. That's an OS. There are different versions of Windows. There's Mac. That's an OS, or you know, the Mac OS, and there's different versions of that. There's Linux, and all the other GNU slash Linuxes fall under Linux. Um, Android is uh, not a Linux derivative, but I, I so I consider it legitimately an OS. But all the other derivatives of it, I don't think are new OSs. They're derivatives. What do you guys think about that? Yeah, that makes sense too. I could see that.
2: But an OS is more than just a kernel, right?
0: Well, th- that's the thing. So uh, if if you're if it is just the kernel, um, then then you could say go so far as to say Fedora is an OS and Ubuntu is an OS, uh, or rather uh, Red Hat is an OS and Ubuntu is an OS, and everything else is a derivative of that. I, I, a case could be made for that. I could give you yep, that.
1: It could go either way. It could go either way really easily.
0: And of course, if something is a hundred percent binary compatible, is it then a different OS anyway?
1: You know, the, the 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 idea of the binary compatible though doesn't I don't think that should be a factor in this because you can be binary compatible with an emulation layer and still be totally separate similar to how Wine works for Windows binaries in Linux. So I wouldn't say that is a decider because that could be done through a whole bunch of different things. I would say it's more along the lines of... That's right. why I go along the lines of custom code.
0: Okay. So by that definition, anything that uses KDE, can it be considered an OS? Because that's that's easily 40 or 50% of... The system, right? So you take KDE and then you slap on whatever package manager, whatever. W- wouldn't you hit your 50% number just using KDE or just using GNOME? Could be.
1: I mean, I, I would, I've been th- for a long time. I've always thought that KDE and GNOME are two separate entities, even though, you know, the, that's like the Chevy and a Ford, de, you know, co- debate. They're still vehicles. They just have different housings. So it that uh, yeah I my fifty percent may be an incorrect number, but that's the way I always look on it. Hmm.
0: Yeah, I don't know that Aaron. That's an interesting question and one that clearly we don't have an answer to. Um, we we're not sure what what makes an OS and what doesn't. Uh, I, I would say the the press release said that Cyanogen was an OS, <laughs> therefore we call it an OS.
2: Yeah, um, yeah, that's just. Wikipedia fish. labels Linux has an OS, so I don't know that because I don't know. Does Linux serve up an application? Uh, you know, the operating system interacts with the hardware and the applications. So, and this is a little, I'm looking at wikipedia.org slash wiki slash operating underscore system, uh, to bust out this so-called knowledge that the experts have told us. Um, so anything, I guess the interfaces between applications and hardware would be considered an OS. Um, so I don't know if, um, I mean, if BSD is an OS, then OS 10X, could that really be an OS because it sits on top of BSD? Um, I don't know.
0: Yeah, well, the 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 thing there is um, you asked can Linux do that. The, yeah, the Linux kernel can do that. It, it would be a command line. Um, so you could have a completely, you know, uh, command line based. I mean, I don't know that the kernel itself is capable. You've got to plug something into the kernel. So I guess in that sense, the kernel is not an OS and can't be an OS.
2: Yeah, I would it's, not call. You know, I think it's Linux a lot of. The, I hate uh, these I would kind have of to questions. Go along the lines,
1: it's also personal opinion.
0: <laughs> well, that's such a cop out. That's your opinion. It's it's difficult though. That there's there's no clear answer. Uh, to exactly. to what is and is not an OS.
2: Yeah, because we would have to first define what an OS is. And there is this nebulous concept of OS, just like there's this nebulous concept of cloud computing. Um, you know, there are specific technical details and technical definitions, but then there's also just that nebulous concept. And so when you say OS, people have an idea of what you're talking about. But, you know, it's kind of like when you say car, what you usually mean is vehicle and not an automobile with you know four doors and a a hood and a trunk, so good question, Aaron. This would have been a great show topic
0: yeah and it, and in fact that may in fact be the show because this is such a a garbage pail um <laughs> we may not go any farther, but I do have to pay some bills literally. Uh, but, uh, first I want to, uh, just to record you know, this is the, the listener feedback part of the show. And I've got a whole bunch of listener feedback that, uh, that I, I could be doing here. Uh, a lot of you weighed in on the whole, I, I, I mentioned the, the paleo diet, uh, on the last show. And, uh, I, I I may have misled you, uh, in that I said that what got me thinking about this was watching a video about a documentary about the paleo diet called the perfect human diet. I'm not using any known form of the paleo diet. Uh, I'm just, it's simply carb reduction, insulin control, whatever you want to call that. Um, but, you know, lots of you guys uh, wrote in about that. And, and you know, anytime you bring up something like that, you're going to get differing opinions. Some say that, you know, uh, describing myself of carbs is, is poison. I'm going to die. Others were like, hey, never eat anything with grain again. Um, you know, that's I, I'm not going to take the time to read any of those because there's there's just so much on that. But I just do want to recognize and uh, acknowledge that I did get a bunch of email about that. I read it all. Uh, it's just not something that I'm going to address on the show, but I'm not, I'm not paleoing necessarily. I'm just finding a way that eat that to a way of eating that works for me. That's, that's, I, I don't want to say that I'm doing any one diet plan or anything like that. I'm just figuring out what my body needs, uh, by pull, pull you know, like any good scientist would, I pull something out and see what happens. And I plug it back in and see what happens. Uh, so there's that. um, The next thing I want to do is talk about, uh, yeah. I'm sorry, Seth, what?
2: I just say, yay. Good, good, uh, talking there. Yeah. (laughs) You talk good. Um
0: um i do want to talk good for just a minute about uh our friends over at the LinuxAcademy.com. no i don't have any smooth uh lead in you're lucky you're getting anything right now people uh my my machines are literally a, a giant squid just came out of a keyboard and is trying to slap me in the face that's why the video feed went away i had to to, to block that so that you wouldn't see the crack i believe that's called the kraken yes yes um so uh, I, I do want to say LinuxAcademy.com. Great place for all your Linux learning. Uh, high quality content. Certified by third parties is high quality content. It's just not, not just me saying it, but not only they're certified by third parties, they're also, uh, certified by their customers. All kinds of people who've said on a regular basis, these guys be good. Um, and so, uh, you know, with, uh, you, just check them out. If, if you've listened to me for any amount of time, you know that, that I believe in these guys. I believe in their product and I'm excited to have them, uh, as an advertiser on the show. I'm, I'm excited to, to help them as they help us. Uh, linuxacademy.com, 25 bucks a month is as much as you're ever going to pay for step-by-step video courses, for PDF study guides, for, uh, a, a live lab environment with up to four, uh, servers running, uh, congruently and, and talking with each other, uh, it's, it's just a ridiculous amount of stuff that you get for, for $25. Now you go to other places and you'll get the videos for $25 uh but you get so much more at linuxacademy.com uh but that's the most you'll pay like anything else if you buy more you pay less so if you if you buy a quarter 3 months it's only $65 $10 discount right off the top right there if you buy annually it's $18 and some change uh, $215 uh, a year so you just for less than $20 a month what they give you it it, it is incomparable to any other service on the internet that I've ever seen uh, so, LinuxAcademy.com, dot com. Use the uh, the uh, code Everyday Linux, or go to LinuxAcademy. dot com slash Everyday Linux. However, you want to do it, and you'll get a special bri- price even on the things that I've just said there. So, it already starts out low, and then you get a discount. Um, so, now let's jump into uh, the the a little bit of news. I think we're going to. We may just entirely forego the the topic, the quote-unquote topic of this show, uh, because of all the problems that we're having right now. But I do want to go ahead and do a few news items. So uh, uh, just looking, uh, uh, picking up on a few older things, what we talked about before, the FCC is looking at trying to uh, essentially lock down uh, Wi-Fi and anything with a Wi-Fi chip in it. That's still on.
1: I just received um, a notice from the EFF about this the other day saying that it's still on and they still are trying to pull to push this through so it it's it's still a possibility um I hope it turns into nothing and just kind of disappears on us but yeah currently it's still being litigated on
2: yeah and um and there's kind of conflicting reports because it's one of those things where the FCC has issued guidance, but they haven't really said this is a law and you have to do this, but it's one of those, you know, hey, we're going to like kind of strong arm people into locking down their router so you can't manipulate it, but we're not really going to make it uh, an official law. It's going to be kind of one of those de facto things. It's kind of like, you know, in the old days, every computer used to be this cream colored beige. And it was just because that's what everybody made and uh, nobody told them to. And now you can get them in all kinds of colors. Well, now instead of having your routers where you can load every kind of OS you want, it's going to just be, um it's going to be locked down and they're going to do it maybe without a law, but just by saying, wouldn't it be nice if you <laughs> were to maybe lock this down? And they'll say, that's a great idea. So, uh, you know, it's one of those, If everybody does it because of the fear of what might happen, then they don't need to make a law and they've achieved their result. They've achieved the result of criminalizing the regular activity of people who have legitimate reasons to get to want to um, extend the range and power of their Wi-Fi. So, you know, it's just the government's using a sledgehammer. To use, you know, when they need to be doing like archaeology with the little brush and toothpicks, but instead they're coming in with a jackhammer and just rah, 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 see no more problem. It's like, yeah, but you killed everything. So,
0: yeah, it's the classic case of of a couple of people doing something that somebody else thinks is wrong. I, 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 I'm having a hard time even calling this wrong, but it there is potential for there there's potential that's the way to say it so there is potential for wrongdoing and so we need to we need to make everything go away so that nobody could potentially do anything wrong um it's just uh, i i it's it's easy to blame governments on this but everybody does this right it it doesn't matter where you go if there's potential everybody looks for a technical solution to uh Uh, an administrative or an operational problem and and you know i know in my you know my daily uh, work what what people they immediately go can we stop users from doing this sure tell them not to do it well no i want to i want to make sure that that button doesn't exist for this particular user but only this user well no that it's not something that that we can do and this is the governmental example of that same thing instead of telling people hey don't do that they want to make it required that anybody making a certain type of hardware makes it impossible. You know, they they want to take the button away,
1: and that's a horrible thing. Yeah. I like the button. Give me back the button.
0: <laughs> and so there's always going to be a black. What you'll end up doing there's... there is creating a market for old hardware. Uh, it'll be you know pre uh, 2015 hardware uh, will right. become a premium thing, and, and people will start recycling old chips
1: and boards. Yeah, I, I that, see you a, know, boards you know becoming a huge. Dark, um, not black market, but dark market or flea market type. You know, everyone's going to be wanting to get them that are hobby hobbyists or the 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 guys who tinker on things. That's who's that's who they're stopping, and I think that's that's wrong.
2: Yeah, you know, otherwise it'll just be a Raspberry Pi that you plug a Wi-Fi chip into or you know one of those little Wi-Fi things, dongles, and so you'll just make Linux your router and I I don't know, it's it's just, it's sad that it has come to this to where I wish people understood it the way we understood it. So but Unfortunately, people don't care because, as long as it means that they can still watch Netflix and still look at the, all the stupid cat videos on Facebook and complain about how everybody else is wrong, they're not going to care that wi fi routers have been locked down because I don't know how to do that, and you know that's only something criminal hackers do, and you know good yay, you're making me safe it's for the children uh and next thing you know it's locked down,
0: yeah, yeah, you say children. <laughs> it's it's just one of those uh it it's for the it's i'm having a hard time i like to pride myself on my ability to look at all sides of an angle and and at least find the logic behind something even if i don't agree with it i'm having a hard time being reasonable about this because i can't find anything reasonable about it at all
2: well the fcc points to um a case, and this is back um, years ago, where... This caused interference with the FAA Doppler weather radar caused by modified devices. And then, of course, there's other potential interference problems. So there was probably one time where legitimately somebody, I wonder what happens if I run 12 gigawatts of power through these here antennas. And then, you know, all of a sudden airplanes are trying to land on their driveway and the Doppler weather radar shows Armageddon breaking out. Um, you know, so I'm sure something like that happened once. And because it happened once, we need to make a law that says it's the this same reason you can't again. use your cell phone
0: on an airplane. You know, what? because there's potential for bad things to happen. No evidence that bad things have ever happened, but potentially they could. Right. right. So potential. let's just. But that's operational, right? They haven't put up a dampening field. Um, <laughs> on on,
1: yeah. Not yet. All right.
0: So, uh, yeah, I think. I think we've done enough of that. Uh, I really want to get into something very important here, and that is that uh, there's now a dating site for bacon lovers. Oh, yeah. Yeah,
2: I am. I love (laughs) Oscar Mayer for doing this. They came out with a Bacon Lovers dating app called Sizzle. I am very disappointed that they only released it for the iOS. There isn't one for Android or Windows Mobile, you know, or Selfish or Migo or BlackBerry or even just a standalone website I can go to. But at least they've taken the first step. And if you love Bacon... You can meet with somebody, you know, some of their questions are stupid. All what of kind it. of bacon do you love the most? As if there's something other than pork bacon. I mean, oh
0: yeah, that's, that's something we say around my house all the time. There's no such thing as turkey bacon. There is turkey and there is bacon.
2: Yes. No. Yes. It's called faken. Um But yeah. And you know, so <laughs> it's uh, called faking and you know, other, like what type of bacon do you prefer? Hardwood smoked for a really long time, thick cut, maple or lower sodium. So now you can get into differentiation because all of those are legitimate types of good bacon. So just, uh, you know, if you love it and you have an iPhone um or, you know, somebody who has an iPhone, borrow their iPhone and download it. So you can kind of go through and see if maybe there is a bacon lover out there who maybe lives right down the street and you too can eat pounds of bacon for your meal replacements and this, every day.
0: The fact that this is only available for iPhone really illustrates one of the problems with the the world today uh, that, that we were going to talk about, but I think I've decided we're not going to. Um, and that's that every, the the world is going mobilized, right? And in the mobile world, there's camps and you got to pick a camp. Yep. Um, and this is a perfect illustration of it. Um, but All right, let's go there. Let's go there, Um, but before I do, I gotta get I gotta pay some bills. Um, Digital Ocean. If if you've heard me, we're new. They're new. They're new uh, uh, supporters to the show. But I'm not the only person that talks about them. I'm sure that you listen to if you listen to any other technical podcast at all, you've heard Digital Ocean mentioned. um, It's high quality, high speed virtual hosting so it's uh you get your own virtual machine running uh on a a kvm which is near real time performance uh, built on a a hex core server with dedicated ecc ram everything is on an ssd so it's lightning fast you get a gigabit of of a connection to the internet a gigabit connection to the internet um I, i can guarantee you that my shared hosting site does not give me a gigabit connection to the internet um so and and you know if you don't want to run the server yourself, you just want to have a backend for your app. They've got a built-in API for all that sort of stuff. IPv6 port uh, and you don't. Well, I I started to say you don't have to know anything about uh, servers to be able to do this because they do have these great one-click install things, and that's great for getting you started. But you really need to know what you're doing if you're setting up a server. So please don't set up a server if you don't know how to run a server. This is a real server connected to the real internet. So with great power comes great responsibility. But you really is it really is great power. You can do whatever you want to, including something really terrible, um, <laughs> like you know breaking DNS. Um, don't do that. But the, my point here is that DigitalOcean gives you your server to do with as you please. And in, you know, as we just talked about, the, the FCC is trying not to make that happen. The, that's rarer and rarer these days. It's getting more and more difficult to find a place that will just let you run things your way. Um, and so they have, um, amazing services at an affordable price. Um, uh, they're, the basic thing that you, that would run a, a fine web, WordPress blog or a Drupal site or something like that. If you're not serving tons of, of data is $10 a month. Uh, you get a core, uh, a single core with a gig of RAM, a uh, 30 gigs of hard drive space and two terabytes per month of transfer. Most sites don't do more than two terabytes a month of transfer. Uh but you could go all the way up to, you know, 5 terabytes a month and a and a, a quad core processor uh uh if you want to pay $80 a month. But the neat thing is if you use our code everyday linux, they're going to give you a $10 credit. So you get to try it out, essentially a month for free, a month of a full uptime uh for on us uh for so if you if you go to digitalocean.com and use the code everyday linux or go to our our website and click on the uh the Digital Ocean ads in any of our show notes, you can uh, you can see that for uh for no cost, no risk, uh you can you have to give them a credit card to start with, then they give you your your uh credit and then you can deactivate your credit card. And when your $10 credit runs out, you don't have to worry about being charged anymore. I tried that, it works. So, check them out digitalocean.com. I wouldn't bring them to you mm-hmm. if I didn't think they were high quality. So, if you think virtual hosting is something you you need, you you owe it to yourself to try digitalocean.com. Use the code everyday Linux. so now I wa- we want to move on to something this is an article in the verge so it's it's biased and and um inflammatory and it's it's the verge right but there's also some real truth in there, and that is that uh, we're killing the web we talked uh, a little bit before about you know where the you get the internet you deserve um and I, we did a show tie, uh, uh topic before about you know essentially we're killing the internet this is not just the internet this is the web itself right and i want to make that distinction right up front the internet is a connection of devices that let you do stuff so your your phone is is connected to the internet your computer is connected to the internet yeah you know google hangouts uh, uh apple facetime all of these things are the internet what we're talking specifically about is the web web pages websites servers hosted on digitalocean.com built by people who learn their skills from everyday linux uh, every from linux academy Um, these sorts of things are dying and there's no other way to say it they they are being killed because you don't like to look at their ads and if you can't and that's ads are the way people make money right now there are there there may be better ways and there are other ways there's microfinancing there's you know sites like uh, uh uh patreon.com there's crowdfunding there's all of these great opportunities but right now the way you get paid if you do a website is is you you do ads and you do ads from one of two or three different companies uh you you sell facebook ads or you sell google ads uh or mm-hmm. or you know that's that's really it and the problem is that these people are warring with each other and it's the web content developers, uh creators who are getting lost in the shuffle. And And when they lose their money, we lose the content. That's the problem. Seth, what are your thoughts on that? You brought this to us. What are your Pure initial thoughts on this?
2: Well, I look at it, you know. I hate the lock-in that's going to happen. Like, for example, you know, Apple has their very, you know, snobby attitude required to have their stuff. And you have to do things their way because it's impossible to do it if it's not their way and be in their world. And if you want to put an app in their store, that's great. That's fine. They're going to take their cut up front. And um, it's, I just, I hate the... The, the bossy, I'm better than you nature submit to my way and I will let you play on my stuff that they're doing. I can't, I can't put it into words here, but the, I mean, basically they're running a protection racket that is legal because you buy into it. You know, whereas if I tried to do this on the street, I would be arrested and brought up on Rico charges, but I just, I think that this is bad news because, well, you've heard me say it here. Let's take all the functionality of a website, cut it in half or more, and let's call it an app that we inundate with ads, and we'll get people to pay for it. And so we're accepting a dumbed-down version of this awesome web that is here, and it's great, and you can do all kinds of stuff in it. But we're, we're stripping away the awesomeness and getting these distilled little features that tickle people's minds. And, and we're calling that progress when it's not progress and it, it makes the world a worse place. Whenever your connection to the web is this little three by five postcard that you carry in your hand, you know, and you can't see something in full screen. You can't type something out, you know, or look at different things. It's just it it's dumbing it's the web dumbed down to the lowest common denominator. And the problem is that denominator keeps falling because people seem to get more stupid over it actually goes Um,
0: beyond just the appification of the web. It's the fact that we as users don't like most of the web. And and in terms of bandwidth and and package size, most of the web is ads. Um, uh, when you go to, right. Um, yep. and we don't video. like ads. So let's even take the appification out of it and say, we're, we're sticking, uh, strictly on the web, uh, on the, the computer, the desktop web for now. We'll get to, to the app model later. Um, I, I mean, I run an ad blocker. I've, I've been honest about that, but I, um, I only, if I, if I go to a site, well, I can't even say that. I started to say that I stand on the moral ground. And if I go to a site a lot, I let their ads through, but I never let any Facebook ads through. Why? Because the Facebook ads are terrible and they're egregious and they make everything worse. So I block them. I'm part of the problem here. I use Facebook, not heavily, but I use it and I don't pay for it in terms of the ads. So I'm part of the problem. Chris, what are your thoughts?
1: Well, it, it, I pretty much echo everything that has been said. I mean, it, that's, it's part of the problem, the way that ads are currently written and the, it, they're just, I, I don't want to say they're horrible, but they're not, they're targeted, targeting ads is not the bad thing. It's the fact that we have to have ads in places that we, that we feel that we should not see them. You know, when I'm looking through, we'll we'll pick on Facebook some more. When I'm looking through my Facebook feed and I'm looking at my friends and my families and all their fun and games, and all of a sudden I see a big old ad jump in the middle of that feed, it's jarring, and that's what most people don't like. It's the jarring of an ad that comes out of nowhere and either is a full-screen ad on your phone that you can't get rid of or it's an ad that you know that, hey, look, Tommy Joe here is saying that he uh, he likes this place or whatever, and I know personally that he doesn't. You know, it, it, it's that the lying, I guess, of the ads that drives a lot of people crazy. In my opinion. Well, advertisers At have been for the lying Facebook for as long as ads, been been I don't know how many times I've seen. Um,
0: and and the the thing is exactly. it's not just on the web that it's a problem right people uh and the advertisers didn't want DVRs to have a skip ahead 30 seconds button because there's only reason there's only one reason you'd skip ahead 30 seconds since that's to get through an ad you're not going to get through, uh, you know, except maybe, yep. you know, very rarely exactly. are you going to watch it, uh, on a DVR show, right? But, um, you know, or are you going to want to skip over a section? But the, it's for ads. That's the reason you do it. And people don't like it. And the problem, my opinion is the problem is the model that we're all stuck with, you know, uh, and, and I'm, I'm just as guilty. I know that people skip over my ads in this, in the show uh because hey, they're too long and they're repetitive and they've heard them all before i get that but right now i get eight times as much money from ads as i do from patreon and so the only if i want to buy new equipment and i want to to invest in the show ads are the way i'm going to do it and and there's the problem is we we don't have a better model yet and and i, I Seth do you think it's that people simply aren't willing to pay for stuff period
2: well, that is a lot of it. I have this one website. I I have been running Firefox with no script for years, but I installed it last night because I was I was at this one website and, you know, it, it's a manga site. So I, I'm reading my I'm reading my mangas because, you know, I enjoy them. And I don't mind that there is an ad for part of that page. I accept that, you know, and sometimes I like I'll Google that because I don't like clicking on the ads. But they have gone to where they load three separate videos that autoplay whenever I go, every time I click to the next page. So it's like five minutes while that video loads that I can't scroll up and down on that page. So I just like, this is ridiculous, people. I don't need three separate videos to play at the same time on this screen that I go to. So it's it's lunacy. I mean, yes, people don't want to pay. If you could guarantee me an ad-free experience and I mean, guarantee no ads anywhere, but it's going to cost you, you know, X amount of money a month. And that, and if that meant no ads, if I see an ad, I screenshot it and I get, you know, partial refund or something. I, depending on how much I would do that because I don't want to see the ads. The ads are so poorly written and poorly designed on the page and they, they suck up most of the bandwidth. You know, that's, I, Yes, to answer your question. Well, there there are is such a service. I,
0: I'm I can't remember the name of it. Obviously, I'm not using it if I can't remember the name of it. But Google has an option where you you pay them money and they replace all the yep. Google AdSense ads with with either blankness or a message like "Hey, thanks for supporting the site." Uh, so,
1: yep, I'm part of that. I'm part of it. I have it. I use it. I love it. <laughs> but does that prevent all ads or just the
0: all, all google ads google about 80 percent of the web
2: though. so see it only it, yeah but that's only right 80 percent i want something that well see so here's the I thing if the google nothing, ads thing you know,
0: chris you know the name of it okay
1: it's called contributor, and I, and I do use it. So it if you were a really Google well contributor, Google and you can choose ads, which
0: sites um, that you want to pay to, or you can just say anything up to a certain amount of money. Uh, say, correct me if I'm saying anything wrong, Chris. Uh, but so if, if that works, then the other guys, like, uh, you know, Facebook and, and the others, uh, big ad uh, companies uh, that there really aren't the others. It's Facebook and on Apple. It's uh, on their own devices, there, but we're sticking with just the desktop. It's Facebook and Apple. So, uh, uh I mean, Facebook and Google, so, but if, if Apple, if Google worked really well, Facebook might move to that model, but the, it's not working really well. People aren't using it because, uh, you know, sites that are seeing it are seeing a small amount of traffic, but the overall, um, revenue that is coming in is, is, is a pittance. And, and I, I, I need to under, I need to make sure that I, that you understand that I understand people got to eat. Um, and most of the, the stuff that we like to read, you know, the websites that I like to read, uh, people get paid to do that. Yes, there's, it's great that there's a volunteer economy, but, um, the best sites on the web have professionals who make their living writing for those sites. And the only way they can make money is either a subscription model or an ad model. Mm-hmm. That's it, and and people we're all too cheap, and you know this this audience even more so. The open source audience uh, tends to be even more cheap. And don't throw um, humble bundle at me. That's the one exception that proves the rule.
1: Yep, exactly.
0: Now going back to
1: contributor a little bit, you know, it, it the biggest problem with contributor. Is it's a, it's not well known. People don't see it coming up as an option to opt out of those ads. So for that was the biggest one. The only reason I learned about contributors because I caught it on a podcast when I happened to be near my machine and I was able to jump onto it right away. Um, it was an invitation model to start with. So unless you had somebody or were in the know or. Just happened to catch it when they were doing an open trial. You couldn't get in to even try being a contributor. Um, it, it was ludicrous to get in. It took me almost two months to get in. Um, but now that I'm in, it does a great job on the sites that use the Google ads. I don't have a problem paying the con, my, the contrib, you know, my, my monthly amount and I would up Grade that even more if it covered even more sites. But currently, it's only getting rid of the Google ones. So for me, it works and it actually does a great job of blocking the ones on the f- mobile better than anything else I found. So, and
0: how much are you spending a month on, it did more. on blocking? You know, and not I'd be willing it. $5 a month? Five.
1: Five dollars. And they, they have a, you can go all the way up to 15, but I haven't needed to go any higher. Because at this point, like, for example, this this week, I have removed 69 ads from the sites that I've gone to. And when you go to set up your contributor, you pick what type of image you want it to be instead of the ad so you know that you blocked it. Well, I shouldn't say blocked. You paid for that spot so you didn't have an ad there. Yes. Um and you know, since I've been a member, let me look at my all time status here. My all time, I have removed over what, almost 1200 ads. Hmm. So, you know, for five bucks to, to pull those, you know, that many ads out of the way, I don't have a problem with it. And the other thing that's really cool is it actually tells you what sites, like I have mine set up that it, if I hit a site that supports it, it automatically pulls the ad. Um, and I don't care. But it pulls. There's a quite a few. Uh, I think. Yeah, it's. I don't really want to go through the list. It's a pretty in-depth list. But you know, the one site that it has the most is you know like thirty-eight cents that I've sent to them and since so that's, July.
0: That's an example of the fact that of pennies adding so, up. Because every that, that that's how much money they're making on that exactly. ad. Thirty-eight cents in two months. But you know, it's all it's a volume game. It's all about numbers. So you get 38 cents times, uh, you know, 100 million, you, you can run a pretty good organization. But look at, you know, uh, the, the article here on The Verge points out the fact that, you know, GigaOM uh, went away. It's a really good site that couldn't pay their bills anymore. Yep. Um, and, you know, th- there may be other reasons for that, but it's an example of the fact that uh, good writing doesn't come cheap. So now I want to transition a little bit into the mobile side of things because as we've talked about before, like Seth, like you were talking about, the, the mobilization of everything, we are killing um, uh, the, the web by putting everything on our phones. And uh, I forget the, the, the latest numbers, but it's something like 70% now of, of browsing happens on mobile devices and you know and most mobile devices are six inches and under so it's small screen it's got to be optimized for a small screen and when when space is at a a premium and when you're paying for your data uh, on a mobile you certainly don't want that ad to come in there so um ad blockers have been around on on android for a while ios 9 now comes in with a built-in ad blocker um and the end users rejoice yay i can block ads but as the verge points out on this in this article there's a deeper story uh there it's not just apple being good to their users apple still serves apple ads they block google ads and facebook ads
2: mhm and you can pay money to have your ads get through the ad blocker so yay You know, basically Apple has just turned it into, they haven't set it up to block ads. They've set it up to be. It's a cash. Yeah. To make money. And unfortunately, you know, especially with the web, everything, you know, like there's lots of things where I was like, Oh, this would be cool. I would like to see, you know, the, the top 10 movies of you know, zombie movies released since 2000 or whatever topic, but it's, you know, see one, click a page, click next, next, next. So if you want to see this 10, there's like five or six ads a page. So you've seen 60 or a hundred ads to, you've had to, and not that you've seen them, but they've served up, they've sucked your bandwidth. um, And they just, it just makes it to where I don't even care about going online and doing stuff anymore i scrolled through facebook to see that none of my friends said anything important okay you know maybe i'll post a random just nothingness and then i don't care you know they are and you know what is it whenever i think of facebook i think of a crappy user experience that's not what mark zuckerberg wants you know, but that—that's what he's getting. Yeah. You know, I mean,
0: I, I was listening so, to I uh, mm-hmm. the football game today as I was driving around trying to find Kid Crutches um, on the radio, and uh, it radio ads are still, particularly in live events like that, they're still a great example of the native advertising where they the, you d- you don't separate the advertising from the uh, the content. So I'm listening uh, to it, and they they're describing a replay and it's the 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 UA replay says brought to you by uh, united artists uh you know whatever it is or, or uh the, the they just scored a touchdown which means you can get $50 off on tires at Bose Tire Barn um the, the those kind of things were common in the yep. the early days of television live television they're still common in live radio uh you know if you're uh a, an american idol watcher it's no is there's no uh accident that they all have coca-cola cups in front of them that they're drinking uh, or that they do the ford video ads uh um you know, excuse me ford music videos um so when you're live you can do some stuff like that. You know, when when I'm doing the the live read of this show, I can mention DigitalOcean or Element, or Element or Linux Academy throughout the show. I can drop those in there. That doesn't make it any less annoying, but it does make it less skippable. If I'm interested in the content, I have to get the ads too. Um, so th- that was really common. And then yep. I don't know, probably in the sixties, uh, the, this whole concept of a commercial break came in. It didn't used to be a commercial break. You dropped the commercial in, uh, you know, during the thing, but now we actually stop live sporting events so we can show commercials on television. Um, and I think the, the consumer. Didn't mind those so much at first, I'm sure they hated it. In fact, did you know the first television remote was invented because the guy wanted to mute commercials? That's why we have television remotes. Not so we can change channels, because he wanted to mute commercials. <laughs> That's funny. Um, <laughs> but most people take that as the opportunity to go get a snack or, or, or go to the bathroom. So we've incorporated those into our lives. We still ignore them. But they're, they're in the background, you know, and they're louder than normal. You're hearing them, you know, my, my kids sing jingles all the time. They work. Ads work. I'm not convinced that yep, web ads have ever worked. We've never had a good model that actually works. Uh, it works for Google. They've built a multi-billion dollar corporation off of it. But it doesn't actually work for the, for the user, uh, for the advertiser or for the end user. But there's nothing better either. I mean, do... Uh, Yeah, there's no other choice. People attempt to do native advertising uh, on in print all the time, and they get excoriated for it. This article that looks like an article, um, you know, I see them for like uh, enterprise security products all the time. It's an ad in the form of a security article, Um, and that's that's native advertising, and you're not supposed to know the difference. And if it's a well written ad that's actually good and useful, I don't mind it so much. But the problem is they're usually just um, you know marketing talking points. And there, there's nothing in, uh, informative. So the problem is not that people don't like ads. That, that is part of the problem. That's a symptom of the problem. The problem is, the, is not that uh, companies can't make money unless they they pepper you with even more atrocious, uh, obnoxious and atrocious ads. That, that's part of the problem. The problem is that we've not found an advertising method that works for the web. In, in either desktop or mobile form, we just don't know what it is. We're trying to shoehorn in other ad models that have worked in other other environments, but they just they're not working
1: and I don't think we're going to because it seems to be no matter what they've tried the the world the world in at large the internet at large revolts against them and finds a way to block or subvert or you know. Remember back when we did host yeah. blocks? You know, you put them in the host file and saying those are, you know, that it, it's just gonna we're gonna still see it. It's just gonna be a round robin of how can we block it faster? And then, and then, no you know, adding to
0: that, out. the the rise of malvertising makes takes something that people already don't like and makes them gives them a legitimate security reason to block them. So now, you know, if I was blocking it, it's just because I'm a cheap yep. jerk. Now I'm blocking it because i'm interest- i'm concerned about security and and it's a it legitimized a reason that people already want, were blocking ads It gave them a reason to um but that just you know yeah it's well just,
1: that was the reason I started blocking it you know when when i started when I started seeing malicious advertisements infecting machines that I was running as you know honeypots or you know insert whatever virtual machine here i made sure i started doing all sorts of things on the firewall level to block things because i didn't want the the opportunity for my son's computer to become infected because of a malicious advertiser um you know he doesn't have an he doesn't have the the technology he's not savvy enough to even know what to do when something like that happens so for me it was a self-defense mechanism and i you know, I, that's why I joined the contributor program whenever I, as soon as I could. Cause
0: you know, my you wife is like no dummy, but is a non-sophisticated tech user has on more than one occasion downloaded a, 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 a basically an app serving app or an ad serving app onto her phone thinking she was getting something else. Um, and so, you know, I, why does this ad keep popping up when I'm not even on a website? Well, it's because you installed this thing. Um, and if, if turd bags, like the people who made those didn't exist, people would have less of a problem with ads. But you know, the the you take something bad and the worst of the worst get a hold of them. Well, now we all hate them, and and who's going to lo- the people who are going to lose out are the writers at The Verge yep. and at GigaOm uh, and at you know wherever else and the consumers. Before long, the web is is going to that there will be the internet but with no web because the web is all about people putting stuff on it. And there's only so many duck-lip selfies that the individual can put on. And if we don't have professionals doing their professional thing, the web is going to devolve into nothing but rude comments and duck-lip selfies. Welcome to hell. (laughs)
2: Welcome to the Seth, what are your thoughts?
0: You've been quiet a a while.
2: No. um, You know, it's one of those things to where the... The lack of advertising, you can't say we blocked ads today and the web dies tomorrow. What will happen is people will expend the built-up capital they've had. So stuff will limp along and it will look for a time like, see, we're blocking ads and this site hasn't shut down or that site hasn't shut down. But eventually, the good stuff either retreats behind paywalls that you have to You know, I gotta, I gotta have membership to this site. I gotta have membership to that site. I gotta have membership to that site. And this one costs so much. And that one costs so much. Or eventually, you know, this one writer, this one site shut down. Or good, this site couldn't afford to pay A-level riders. They can only afford to pay half A and half B, and then it's all B, and then it's partly C. You know, good writing isn't cheap, and cheap writing isn't good. You can have lots of writing on your website, and it can either be good or cheap. You're not going to get both. And that's what happens is it's a, you know... It, the hose doesn't get shut off in an instant. It just starts to trickle, you know, and if you've got, if you've got a reservoir that you have built up, you don't notice it until all of a sudden the reservoir is empty and nothing's coming in and you don't know what's happened. And unfortunately, in a lot of ways, the damage has been done already. Um, and we're just now beginning to see it and that's a good point it's
0: the we're we're reaping the whirlwind right we've already sown it and and there's it's too late to fix it right right because
1: we i don't think it's too late to fix it because i mean if you're going along the idea of the reservoir and a dam so to speak yeah it's the it could go it could go empty but we could still put more water back in so i think eventually if the world changed soon enough we could write this before it became a big problem it's just it has to be soon hmm. in my
2: opinion i mean it's not unrecoverable but it and has i think been it's damaged.
0: symptomatic of the so. the way that we're changing the way we consume things um the the modern mobile web looks a lot more like the 1997 desktop web than it does the the 2012 desktop web um and you know we Sure. Heaven forbid, we may end up with Punch the Monkey on your mobile device before long.
1: Oh, God, I hope not. <laughs> uh, we, we I, use, will, I will find a way to block yeah. like that on my phone. Oh.
0: <laughs> but Sorry about that, folks. What's interesting is that you know <laughs> we use Punch the Monkey as this example of the worst type of web ad. Uh, and if you're too young to know what Punch the Monkey is, you're lucky. But... Many, 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 many mobile ads are way worse than Punch the Monkey ever was. Mm -hmm. Um, I've been playing a game recently that uh, uh, it's one of those trials motorcycle racing games, and I enjoy the game, uh, but every now and then it makes me play uh, a YouTube video. It doesn't make me do it. It just starts playing it, a video ad, not necessarily YouTube, but a video ad. Um, That's annoying. The fact that all of the ads have incredibly loud audio is way worse, because if I'm sitting at my desk playing this video game, and I'm not, not that I would, I'm just saying, in, you know, in theory, <laughs> and I've got the sounds muted on the game uh, so that nobody will know that I'm playing a game, and suddenly this ad blares out, and there's no, there's no cancel, there's no opt-out, there's not the only thing you can do is turn off your phone. Um, or, you know, or get out of the full screen app, which on Android, you know, uh, uh, hollipop anyway, slide up from the bottom or down from the top and hit the home button. So there's going to be several seconds there of this blaring pirate movie, uh, music, um, that I can't do anything about. And then later when I decide to go back into the app, it picks up at, you know, 27 seconds in and starts over again. That's the, that's way worse than punch the monkey. Um, oh Yeah. But uh, apps are, are designing themselves so that you can't disconnect from the internet. One of you know, we what what a lot of people used to do is just go to airplane mode when they're playing a game. Um, well, now you can't do that because the game doesn't work. So people, it's a cat and mouse game between the advertisers who insist that you see their content and the the developers who just want to get paid for making their content. Um, the, the you know what I've always said is the problem with ads is that the reason nobody wants to watch them is they're all terrible. If every ad was as good as a Super Bowl ad. We wouldn't have this problem. people go to YouTube the day point. after the Super Bowl just to watch Super Bowl ads. If every ad on every web page on every mobile device, on every television show was as good as a Super Bowl ad, we would have no problems. but you know the ad people want to spend as little money as possible too,
1: yeah, because they feel that it's not worth it. you know how much revenue are they making off of a punch the monkey ad
0: and and you know it's if 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 it takes them, if they make a fraction of a penny off of it, they're not willing to spend much more than a fraction of a penny on it. And that's where yeah. malvertising comes in, right? Some guy takes this thing that's a prepackaged thing and drops it into his code because he's not willing to put any effort into it. And that thing that he dropped in is either very badly coded or malicious from the start. It's not the developers, and I started to say it's not his fault, it is his fault for not knowing what he puts in his code. But it's not, it's not that he set out to be malicious, it's that he was inherently lazy because he didn't see any return on it.
2: Which, by definition, yeah. that's a coder. A coder is, by definition, inherently lazy. <laughs> Otherwise, you know, they wouldn't write code to reduce complex tasks to make them simple so yeah. they don't have to do them every time.
0: I, I don't know that we've exhausted the subject, but we have exhausted my energy. So uh, uh, any, other, uh, any parting thoughts before we leave the subject from either of you?
1: No, I'm good. I, I'm sure well, we'll we'll probably circle back around in a couple no. of weeks and do this again, because I'm sure we'll have enough feedback
2: for it.
0: Be sure you reach out before you circle back and, and uh, touch bases.
2: Yeah we, need, yeah, we need to put a pin on here and see what kind let's, of... Let's table this for a, a while until we have better resources. Uh,
1: what did I start? <laughs> I'm sorry, everyone.
0: I'm not sure we have the bandwidth to address this issue currently.
2: <laughs> Based on... <laughs> yeah. Tonight I did not do a great Everything thing. got way
0: better and I didn't change anything, so I don't know what the deal is. Um so Seth, what happened this week in history? Hopefully something good.
2: All right. Yeah. Uh September the thirtieth, nineteen eighty. Ethernet specifications are published by Xerox working with Intel and Digital Equipment Corporation. Nineteen eighty. Wow. Ethernet specifications yeah,
0: are published. And uh the that was at Xerox Park? Um, in the Palo Alto Research Center, they didn't ask for any money off of it. Yep. But the fellow who invented it founded a little company you might have heard of, heard of called ThreeCom, and he made a few dollars off of it.
1: Just yep. a few. Yeah.
0: Couple of bucks. 1980. There was no Ethernet before that. Before that, it was what uh, token ring, I guess.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Token ring. Yep. Um.
1: Back in the the scary days.
0: So what is that? 35 years of of ethernet and there's nothing better we have other things we have wireless technologies we have wi-fi we have 3g but they're not better ethernet is still the best way to deliver data
2: at least at this point yeah and i mean yeah we've just made it faster you know we went from ethernet to 10 base t to fast ethernet which was a hundred um you know yeah it's still today if you if you're talking fast ethernet you're talking hundred meg you're not even talking gig.
0: But gigabit is uh, but yeah. still ethernet. Um, you know, fibers uh yep. breaks down to ethernet on either end of it. Um it's still it's still the way to send data. All that all that mobile traffic is ethernet on on either end. Uh nobody's come up with a better way. I mean what what I really think and I don't want to get super technical, but what made ethernet great was it broke the uh, the contention schemes of the of the old like 10 base T networks, uh, where it came out with an intelligent way to handle collisions, so that multiple devices could talk at once, and we've gotten better at that over time. That's really what's made things faster, uh, higher quality oh, yeah. fiber um, or or media in general, both uh, the copper and fiber, but figuring out how to deal with co- uh, collisions when we moved from hub to switches that changed everything. Um, just a, a quick uh, tutorial there because you know i i have to contribute something to the show uh, is uh, (laughs) uh, the old uh, hub method or the 10 base T method or or, uh, the token ring method. Uh, Picture a bunch of people in a room and uh, a a crowded cafeteria Uh, and um, if you want to send a message to somebody at the other end of the cafeteria you stand up and just start shouting your message. Hey James, meet me at uh, uh, 5 o'clock. Well if somebody else stood up at exactly the same time, James didn't hear you. So the idea is if two people stand up at the same time and start yelling, they notice that. They both sit back down wait a random amount of time and stand up and do it again and if somebody else happened to be standing up at that same time you both sit back down wait a random amount of time and stand up and do it again and so eventually through all this randomness some person stands up only once all by themselves but most of the time you're waiting so prior to that in the hub world and in the 10 base t world most of your your internet time your your data time was spent waiting to avoid collisions well, the, the, the switch, switching method and the fast Ethernet, what those things that came along, gave everybody their own channel. Basically, you, you tag your stuff so that uh, people only know to listen to what you're going to, the, the whole MAC address thing. So I'm sending from this to this one, and it doesn't matter how many other bits of, are going through. I'm only going to be listening for that. Changed everything. And those are the things that we've gotten better at over time. It's all about those blocking collisions. we That's why Wi-Fi is is never going to be as good as is, is, uh, uh, wired, because collisions are inherent in the way Wi-Fi works. Until we come up with a wireless Ethernet, which we don't have yet, uh, we call it that, but that's not really what it is, the, you will always spend as much time waiting as you do communicating. There you go, history lesson. Someday, yeah, someday we'll figure it out. And it's all Morse code. It's really advanced more dots and dashes. That's the amazing thing.
1: Yeah, it's pretty spooky when you think yeah. of it that way.
0: Every bit of communication we do, when you go to Netflix and watch something in 4K, you could do that with a finger on a on a button sending Morse code. It'd be a whole lot slower. Yeah. <laughs> That's the amazing thing. I, I watched, just a, for a nostalgia kick, I watched War Games last night. Matthew Broderick, Ali Sheedy. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the technology there. Uh, well, first off, let's talk movie tropes, right? Did it, did it, did it, every, everything that comes across the screen makes a sound. If that really happened, nobody would ever use computers. Everybody would go absolutely bonkers if every time a character came across the screen, it made a sound. But in, in TVs, they do. You've got a bomb strapped under a table with a timer on it. It's going beep, beep, beep. Why didn't somebody hear that? Why didn't somebody, what is the heck is that beeping? Oh, look, there's a bomb under here. No, it's TV. Yeah, or the tick. tick, Yeah. Tick. (laughs) But uh, it was just fascinating, you know, to see Matthew Broderick uh, pick up his telephone and stick it into his cradle modem. Um, You know, that was before even an internal modem. It was fully analog. It it was mechanical analog. It wasn't even digital. And that was 84, I think. It was a true modem. Uh, Yeah, it was a true modem. Uh, So look at how far we've come. In just, you know, thirty years. It's it's pretty phenomenal to me. It's a great time to be alive. I say that often enough.
2: Yeah, there you go. At least until they finish. Well, you know, me. it'll just be
0: replaced by something else. It'll just be it'll be Facebook. Um, you know, it'll be duck lip selfies and, and uh YouTube comments. Welcome to the web. Yeah. Uh which is when I will get off the web. Bye, internet. Yep. It's been nice knowing you. I'll
1: I'll go back into the IRC world and live there. <laughs>
2: yeah Yeah. whatever the vh1 version <laughs> of the internet is i'll check it out oh uh, all right so
0: that was this week in history so seth what do you have as your uh, uh show closing spectacular your dev slash random your your thing that makes my productivity down thus making you look like a better hiring option
2: well you know i mean i promised last week to really bring the bacon and so i found that nice awesome new story <laughs> and just to finish this off and say, welcome back, bacon to EDL, royalbaconsociety.com. Wow. Just royal bacon. They have bacon a section called bacon porn. Com.
0: I don't even you want can, to click on that. I'm scared. Hold me.
2: You can become a bacon and become an ambassador. If you would like to, you know, Chris, you're a fedora <laughs> ambassador. Maybe we can become uh, all bacon oh, ambassadors, but, um, there's the ultimate bacon <laughs> gift guide international Um, bacon Day. did you know there was Um, such a
0: thing there is
2: no that would imply you can only have bacon one day a year so i reject it um but yeah there you go uh top 10 posts number one is top 10 homer simpson quotes (laughs) about bacon well there you Um, go and then a separate one top 10 quotes about bacon from television so just awesome royal dot com for all your bacon loving you need needs. bacon
0: we do we love you a- an bacon an ode to bacon an open love letter to bacon how do i love thee let me eat the ways um, <laughs> uh, i hope that by the time this show comes out it will be smooth and slick and you won't notice that everything was a total train wreck uh, for those of you that tried to watch live god bless you none of you made it through uh I don't blame you. it was a total disaster, uh but and we uh,
1: barely made it through
0: yeah, it was i I almost just cut and ran and said no show tonight uh but uh we we thank you for listening uh we we appreciate the way that you do support us. I started the show by talking about the I bought some new gear and and you you paid for that uh and I thank you for that if uh, you know and if you hate ads and you don't want me to do digital ocean ads anymore, you don't want me to do Linux academy ads anymore, I will do that. When you start ponying up the money, it's plain and simple. When I can make as much from Patreon and from my tip jar as I make from ads, there will be no more ads on this show. Um, that sounds. We promise. You know, yeah, that, that, that's both a promise and a dare, right? I dare you to do it. But the, we have thousands of listeners to this show and dozens of supporters on Patreon. And I think that's the thing that that ratio always exists thousands to dozens there are thousands of people consuming and dozens of people paying for it i'm not saying you're a deadbeat if you don't pay for it i'm just saying you got to listen to ads if you don't pay for it but we do appreciate you listening and and i can hear some you know high school kid out there saying i don't have any money that's fine i that's fine. It really is. I'm not telling you that you have to to contribute money. Uh, listeners are a great way that uh, to to support the show. Just listen to the show. Tell other people about the show. The more numbers we get, the more advertisers we can get. Sorry, that's the way it works. Um, and you know, if you want me just uh, podcasting out of a, out of a laptop uh, using a a you know a headset mic like so many other um uh Linux shows out there, I can do that. Because all of the stuff that, that makes this show uh, what it is costs money. And, you know, I, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to start preaching at you. I'm just saying, first, thank you for being a listener. But more than that, double, triple, quadruple, quintuple thank you for the people who actually kick in a buck every now and then and help support the show and help make things happen. You are literally what makes this show go. We, we Your listeners, you're the reasons we do it. You, The the supporters, you're the what makes it possible. So thank you for that. Uh, Chris, Seth, as always, thank you for being the great host that you are. Uh, I will uh, send your checks uh, in the mail uh, <coughs> because you're only here because Eventually. I pay you. Yeah. Oh, oh, we, we forgot,
2: oh. Mark. Yeah, oh, uh, yes. We have a guest next uh, week. And it's totally non-Linux related. Um, for everybody who thinks we do too much Linux around here, totally non-Linux I'm pretty non-Linux sure there related.
0: aren't many people who think that. Uh, I, I did get a number of recommendations. I told you that we were looking at renaming the show and I wanted to stick with the letters EDL and I wanted them to represent uh, the show. I got a lot of good suggestions there. I'm not going to read them all, uh, but I did get some, uh, and they were good. Keep them coming. What, what, what should this show be? I need, I need something, uh, one or two words, uh, three words at the most that tells people what this show is about, that I can get at a glance what this show is about. And um, the train wreck podcast is already taken. Sorry. Uh, so uh, we, uh, you can let us know at elementop.com. Click the contact us button at the top of the page. Call 559 op and leave us a voicemail. Uh, send an email to edl at elementop.com. Uh, all of those ways are super valid and we appreciate them and we we love hearing from you. We truly do. Uh, you are in so many ways what drives the show. So uh, thank you for hanging out with us. Uh, but I'm going to say that ends this episode of Everyday Linux.